there and welcome to Unleash Your Creative Magic. It's absolutely amazing to have you here. I'm your host Helen Pfeiffer, a published writer of 17 crime novels, both traditionally and indie published. And I'm here to talk to you about the magic of writing, unleashing your creativity and how to set yourself free from being stuck inside the writer's closet. I'd like to share my journey with you from that initial idea for a book to where I am now and all the very messy stuff in between the highs, the lows, and the fuck me, this is impossible moments. I hope that somewhere along the way, this podcast might be of some use to you. You might even find some inspiration lurking in here. So grab yourself a coffee and come and join me on the writer's couch as we dive right into living your best creative life. Hi, I'm Helen and this is Unleash Your Creative Magic. This week, I'm talking about second book syndrome. But before that, I need to apologise because last week I got the titles of two of my all-time favourite books mixed up, which is just awful. And I'm really sorry to anyone who picked up on that. I said The Haunting of Hell House by Richard Matheson, which is actually called Hell House. And then I referred to The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson as Hill House. Hopefully you knew what I meant. So many books and so many mix-ups. I'm going to blame it on the seagulls distracting me. And also, my little problem with the seagulls, who have more to say than I do, is hopefully rectified by the soundproofing sheets I've bought from good old Amazon and that Steve, bless him, has taped over the window to hopefully stop their tasteless remarks. So whilst I'm sweltering in the hope that they won't be quite so loud, let's hope it's worth it. If not, he's going to have to build me a soundproofing booth. I've prepped him with this solution so he's got time to figure it all out for next week. So second book syndrome, what the fuck is that? Never heard of it. Well, me either until it came to that time I had to sit down and write that second book. Have you heard of it? I had taken so long on the first I hadn't even thought about the second. Is it something you're experiencing? Are you dreading it? I don't suppose we'll all suffer from it, but I do know an awful lot of writers who did. So if you are at the stage where you're wondering if you can write another 80,000 word book that's as good as the first, I'm here to tell you that yes, you can. Of course you can. You just need a gentle little reminder of how fucking amazing you are and how you can boss this like the badass you really are. You simply can't wait for the inspiration to strike because first of all, you don't have the luxury of time on your side and secondly... You must get on and create it whether you want to or not, because it's expected of you. Your readers and your editor will be waiting, some patiently and some not so patient, for the follow-up to book one. I love my impatient readers. They give me the kick up the backside to stop faffing around and get shit done. This alone is enough to send you into a quivering wreck, hiding and changing your name. I know because I seriously considered it when faced with writing book two. And I don't think it matters whether you're writing the second book in a series or a standalone book. I also happen to think that second book syndrome can strike at book 9, 12, 14. You get the drift. It's not exclusive to book number 2. All artists suffer bouts of crushing self-doubt and it's part and parcel of being creative. And I don't think it helps because we live in an age where everybody wants everything now, like right now. And I think Amazon has a lot to answer for this. And my kids are a prime example of it. They never seem to be able to wait very long for anything. 
which I find both frustrating and unbelievable. I'm not sure where it went wrong along the way, and I suppose the internet has got an awful lot to do with it. But once upon a time when I was a girl, (laughs) I'm really showing my age now, but it was like this, and anyone else in their 50s plus will agree. If you wanted something, you had to wait until you could either afford it or it was released for you to buy. And I used to wait rather impatiently for my next book from Stephen King or Dean Koontz, and boy, did it seem to take forever. But I had no choice. There was nothing I could do to make them hurry up, despite praying to the writing gods to make this a reality. Those were the days when your favourite writer released a book a year. Imagine that kind of luxury of time. I find myself feeling nostalgic, or it might just be wishful thinking, that I could publish one book a year instead of the two and sometimes three that I'm currently writing. You all know by now that my first book took eight years from that initial idea to getting a book deal. That wonderful offer of a two-book contract was exactly what I'd been dreaming about. And whilst I was working flat out on my day job and then writing and rewriting book one over and over, I never even gave much thought that I had another book to produce after this one. Everything I had went into that first book. So by the time it was eventually signed off and accepted, I was pretty knackered. Then came the email from my editor confirming the deadline for book two, a deadline which was 12 weeks away. Now I wanted to make a really good impression and I didn't want to write back and ask her if she was out of her mind because that would have been plain rude. But I was certainly thinking that. And I was thinking that A, she couldn't possibly be serious about that and B, what the actual fuck was I going to do? I had no idea what the second book was going to be about. I did know that I wanted Annie Graham to be a series, but I hadn't actually given it a lot of thought about what that entailed. I bet you can't believe how naive I was. Let me tell you, neither could I. I'm writing this and shaking my head and wondering just how I managed to get from that to where I am now. I'm just thankful that I did figure it out along the way and this is why I want to share it with you so you don't have to bumble along like I did. When I tell you that I had no idea what having a book published entailed, I am being entirely truthful. Seriously, I had no idea. I was so focused on getting that book published. In this wild dream I had about it, I would write a book and get it published and then spend the rest of my life talking about that book. Oh dear, What's the best way to describe it? I think borderline delusional is quite near enough. So let's be clear about one thing. I'm not telling you these stories to put you off. God, no, definitely not. What I'm hoping is that they will help you to open your eyes and realise exactly what goes on in the world of a published writer. A world I knew nothing about. It's nothing at all like I expected. But then again, it's so much more. For every downside there are at least 10 upsides. I'm not even sure if that's a word. What I'm saying, very poorly, in my own way, is that the life of a writer has many ups and downs. But trust me, the ups are amazing, mind-blowing, fabulous, wonderful, and everything you could ever dream about. Which kind of makes up for the crappy deadlines and even worse reviews that do come in now and again. This is what happened with my second book. I panicked like hyperventilated into a brown paper bag kind of panicking. And I'm not prone to this. I'm usually pretty chilled. I sat down and I came up with a plot. We have an abundance of post-it notes at work. 
and I remember one rainy morning in the office on my break, I began writing down what this book could be about. I need to thank the universe that I came up with a half-decent plot. I had post-it notes spread out all over my desk in the community office in the police station, which thankfully nobody took any notice of. The whole place was covered in those pale yellow post-it notes. I went home from work that day and typed up my plot. Lucy, my editor back then, wasn't remotely interested in what the book was going to be about, and it was quite amazing, really, that she left me to get on with it. She just wanted a finished draft that she could do something with in 12 weeks' time, which did give me a little bit of breathing space. By the time I typed up the plot, I was feeling a little bit better. I quite liked it and thought that it might just work. So I set about writing my second book, and I worked hard, so bloody hard on that book, writing whenever I got a moment, early mornings, late nights, lunch breaks, you name it. I used every bit of spare time to do it. And about this time, we were moved out of the police station into a community office on the main shopping street in the town centre. We had a third floor office in an old jeweller's shop, and those stairs were a killer. They were so steep. But what a godsend it was. I was able to stay behind after work and type on my laptop to get some peace and quiet. I would go in on my days off and use it. It was brilliant. And the day we got moved out of there, I was devastated. I was a member of a monthly creative writing group who literally started out with just me and the lovely tutor. By the time I left, there were around 10 of us and it was so nice having other writers to talk to in person. When I'd finished my first draft, I was both amazed and relieved that I'd managed to do it. But before I sent it to my new editor, Lucy, I asked my tutor to give it a once-over, thinking that it was the best thing ever and feeling quite smug about the whole thing. No prizes for guessing how this is going to end. I got a message to say she had read it and would go over her thoughts with me. So I went to her house and basically she ripped it to bits and told me it was dreadful. I didn't think my editor would publish it. I was shocked, not to mention devastated. I thanked her and left. It was lashing down. That heavy kind of rain where your windscreen wipers have to work triple time to keep the visibility good enough to drive. I got in the car and was shaking. I felt so distraught. I didn't want to go home. The kids were at school anyway. So I drove to McDonald's for a coffee. And this was before the days of Costa. I drove myself to the little car park opposite Furness Abbey where my first book was set. It never failed to inspire me and it still does because it is such a beautiful area. And you know what I did? I turned my engine off, listened to the torrential rain, sipped at my coffee and cried. Really loud sobs. I was absolutely heartbroken because I had no idea what I was going to do. The book needed to be handed in the next day and there was no way I could rewrite it. That was impossible. And I also didn't want to let Lucy down by missing my deadline. And I felt like an absolute failure and thought to myself, well, it was nice while it lasted. At least I managed to write one book and get it published. I watched the river of rain as it cascaded down my windscreen and thought that it was the perfect weather to suit my mood. I was also very embarrassed because how could I tell everyone who had been so supportive to me that I couldn't write? The first book had been a complete fluke and could we please not mention it ever again? Thank you very much. Just talking about this makes me feel so sad for the woman back then, dealing with these feelings and I wish I could have told her to just believe in herself a little bit more and then it would all work out, even more amazing than she could ever imagine. 
After a lot of soul searching, I realised that the one person I should be speaking to about all of this was Lucy, my editor. I typed out an email to her, telling her I was so sorry that this book was a load of rubbish and what did she want me to do? Bless her. She replied with a, send it to me. I can't wait to read it and I'm positive it's not rubbish at all. I went home and I sent it. What an awful few days that was. Waiting for her to tell me to quit whilst I was ahead and end the contract. She wrote back a couple of days later saying she absolutely loved it. Nothing to worry about and it was fabulous. I didn't know whether to laugh, cry, get drunk or scream. I was in total shock because I'd convinced myself I was a complete failure after reading that email a couple of times. I realised that it was all going to be okay. I'd made my deadline and the book wasn't as awful as I'd been told. I did learn a really valuable lesson from all of this and probably the most important of all is to trust your own judgement. After a wobbly start and lots of panicking about whether I could write a second book, I had and until my tutor read it, I actually loved it as well. And it taught me that we all have different tastes. She wasn't a crime horror fan, so she was never going to enjoy it from the start. She was so focused on all my punctuation mistakes, and there were lots of them because I'm rubbish at punctuation, that she didn't give the story much of a head start to begin with. And I'm not blaming her at all. And please bear it in mind that if you give your stories to people to read in the early days, make sure it's something they would read anyway, or it could end up a disaster and knock your confidence in your writing ability more than you could ever imagine. It goes back to reviews as well. Some people will love what you write, and others will hate it with so much passion you'll wonder how they could ever be so horrid about someone they don't even know. You have to believe in yourself and your work. Most importantly, just be careful who you let read it. My belief in myself as a writer was knocked so far out of the ballpark after this incident that I wanted to give it all up. I knew I had to begin trusting my own instinct, and I think this was around the time I stopped reading my own reviews as well. All I did was focus on the negative one-star reviews and despite having far more many five-stars, it wasn't those that I, I lay thinking about in bed of a night. So, second book syndrome. It is a thing, yeah, it exists. The worry and the fears that we can't repeat what we did the first time around are all very real. But like I said earlier, if you manage to finish one story, then you will be able to finish all the ones you write after it. There will be some that are an absolute nightmare and you will find yourself tearing your hair out and wishing you'd never started them. But we all go through that. It's all part and parcel of being a writer. So believe in your magic because you are wonderful. You're a writer no matter what stage you're at. And I hope this hasn't put you off and that it's given you a little bit of hope instead that you can go out there and chase your dreams. Whatever you're doing... Have a fabulous week and take care. Thank you all so much for listening. I can't tell you how much it means to me that you come and listen to my little podcast. If you'd like to check out my credentials to see if I know what I'm talking about, then head over to my Amazon page. And if you'd like to join a community of like-minded creatives, then head over to the Unleash Your Creative Magic Facebook group. I'll paste the links in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I honestly can't wait to speak to you in the next episode where I'll dive into the process of how I wrote my first book. Until next time, take care.